Hey, this is Clay Harrison from Embrace. Embrace is a new church in the greater Houghton area of Louisiana. And on this podcast, you'll hear from various voices with the common thread of helping people point their lives to Jesus. I'm honored to be the planning pastor for Embrace and honored to journey with you on this podcast. On this episode, we're sharing a sermon where I dig even deeper into the theme of loss and how Jesus sees the world. Now, early in the sermon, I do mention NASA's bombing the moon in 2012. And I do have to give you a heads up. I misspoke as this was actually an event in 2009. But the fun news is there's a link in the show notes where you can dive in yourself and dig into the truth of when we bombed the moon. Also in the sermon, I do some references to data that Embrace uses from Mission Insight as we better understand our town of Houghton, Louisiana. This, too, is in the show notes with images showing the data if you're interested. Thanks for joining us, and here we go. Well, as I said a moment ago, my name is Clay Harrison, and I'll share a little bit more about myself at a a later time. I love to share stories about myself, especially when I have family here, because I like to embarrass them. They never know what's going to what I'm going to talk about. Uh, but, but today I was thinking um, about some of the things I've been, I've been watching lately, and I love documentaries. Does anybody else like documentaries? I love documentaries. My wife is probably tired of them. And I, I like to go back and, and watch some of the older ones, so I've been watching about uh, the space race and the space age because I was born in the 80s, and so I missed all that. But what, does anybody want to claim that you, you remember what it was like when someone landed on the moon for the first time? Was that cool? Because it just seems really cool to me. Now, I do remember something about the moon that, uh, that many people may not remember, but back in 2012, we bombed the moon. And I don't know if you, who remembers us bombing the moon. Yeah, we bombed the moon, okay? So what, what did America do? We landed on the moon, and we were the first to bomb it. We were looking for water. So we, we took some, some rocket ships. They call it a crash landing. They crashed some rocket ships. Uh, but when you crash a rocket, you bomb something, right? So we bombed the moon looking for water, and they found water. I love learning about that kind of stuff because it just helps frame for me something that I didn't know before. And I think that's why I like documentaries so much. I love to be able to have a fresh and a new experience, a new, uh, a new way of looking at the world. I love watching old documentaries uh, or documentaries about uh, the early 1900s and some of the wars. And, and uh, I love those when they do those series where it's like all about the 70s and all about the 80s and the 90s. And, and then it makes me feel really old when, when I think about people in college now. Uh, they were born in 2001. So, you know, it's, you know I've, I finally have reached that stage. But, but I love having uh, an opportunity to reframe the way I see the world. Because the reality is, is, is probably much like you, my experience of the world around me is only what I've been taught or what I've seen. So I have a very limited experience of the world around me. So unless somebody brings something to me or I go and experience it, there's a lot about the world that I'll never know. There's some things that make make assumptions about, but there's things that I'll never know. So I can learn a lot about German culture, uh, and I love I, I love the German culture, but the reality is, is I've never been to German, and so I'm missing out on a pretty big experience of what it's like to be in a German culture in a German town. But uh, but I'd like to learn about it. 
So who here likes to learn about new things like that? Is that, am I just, okay, I'm glad that I have some, some inquisitive nerds around me, that's great. Um, yeah, so learning something new about the, about the world around us, it helps us frame and think differently. And ultimately what it does, it helps us see people differently. And I think the reality is, is it helps us see people. I think the more we learn about the world, the more we learn about other cultures and other people, is, is we learn to see people. People that, that maybe we, we've just missed, people that we haven't thought much about, maybe their culture's a lot different and we don't understand them. So the more we learn about the world and around us, especially cultures, the more we learn about people and that helps us see people. It's such a, such a big part of who Jesus is in the Bible, is helping reframe the world for others so that people can be seen. And if you've had any chance to, to read in the New Testament, or if you were raised uh, around the New Testament, around, around stories of Jesus, I hope that's what you've experienced, is being able to see people. Because Jesus is always getting himself in scenarios where he's sharing something new about someone, where he's revealing something new to people. And often he's elevating a person that was unseen. And so he teaches this to his disciples. And we often think about, this, about disciples as just you know, a handful of people. There's these 12 men walking around with Jesus. That's his disciples. But really, Jesus had a lot of followers, more than just 12. And, so, and sometimes we hear stories about them. And that's what I'd like to tell you today is share with you a story about 72 other disciples who we don't know their name that Jesus reframes for them and for others the ability to go into towns and villages, probably where they've been before, but see people and see people differently. So this story comes from Luke chapter 10. And I'm just going to share the first two verses with you today. So the story says this, after these things, the Lord commissioned 72 others, and he sent them on ahead in pairs to every city and place that Jesus was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is bigger than you can imagine, but there are few workers. Therefore, plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. Okay, so 72 people are gathered around Jesus. These are plain Joe people. These are just normal, run-of-the-mill people like you and like me who have been following Jesus, and he sends out 72 of them to towns and villages that Jesus is about to go into. Towns and villages that everybody's familiar with. Many of these people probably have been, been through there before. Some of them may even be from these towns and cities. But he sends them out before him. He sends them out for a reason. But before we look at the reason, which we're going to dive into at a later point, that what he does is he reframes the way in which they're to go. The way in which they are to go back into a place that is familiar to them. His prayer to them is this, and it's a vision for the world around them. The harvest is larger than you could possibly ever imagine. That's exactly how we translate that. The harvest is larger than you could possibly ever imagine. And there are few workers. He frames for them the world in which they're entering, a place that they've been familiar with, to see in a new way. He says the harvest is larger than you could possibly ever imagine, and yet there are few workers. So plead, plead, I love that word there, plead 
earnestly pray for the Lord of the harvest to send out workers for his harvest. That's how he frames everything for these 72. So that's what I want us to look at today. I don't want us to, to look at what happens when they go out. If you're with us in two more weeks, we'll talk about that. But he frames for these 72 people, these normal, plain Joe, everyday men and women disciples who are going forth ahead of Jesus, proclaiming a new way, preparing a way for Jesus to see the places they are going in a new way to see the world that you're entering, that you've been a part of, that you've lived in, that has been your life, to see it in a way of a harvest that is larger than you could ever imagine. Larger than you possibly could ever imagine. That's Jesus' way of looking at the world. That's exactly what he teaches them here. Look at the world the way I see the world. See a harvest that's larger than you could ever imagine and realize there are few workers. So he's sending them out as workers. Realize there's few of you. Now, 72 is a lot of people. I don't think we have 72 people in here. We have probably around 45. So a little bit more than that. And he's saying, all right, we're sending you out and you're few and the harvest is massive. The harvest is massive. So the first thing you need to do is be praying earnestly that more workers would rise up. And essentially that's what they're doing. They're going forth to find those workers. So what I'd like to help us to do today, where we live, work, and play right here in Houghton and in North Louisiana, is, is have a vision that is a Jesus-sized vision for the world around us. So uh, if you would, in, in 2012... Uh, I want to share with you, this is a five-mile radius of, the, of where we sit right now. So five miles from here gets us to Sligo Road. If you're familiar with Sligo Road, it gets us up to Princeton and Fillmore. It get, doesn't get us to Doyleen. It doesn't get us to Red Chute. Red, five miles of, of Houghton isn't that big, right? And, and we're, live out in the, we're out in the middle of nowhere. Does anybody agree with that? We're in the middle of nowhere? Okay. In 2012, seven years ago, 5,466 people, and this is coming from uh, government data, census, big data. This is it's crazy how precise you can get. 5,466 people were involved in a faith community. Doesn't have to be Christian. They were involved in a faith community. Okay? That's 44.6% of the population. 55.7% of the population, over 6,000 people, had no religious community. Now, it's important that we reframe that with religious community. A religious community is identified as a group of people of a religious faith, any religious faith, that provide for others a means of connection. A means of connection. So that it really is a place of belonging. All right? So over 6,000 people, almost 7,000 people in 2012 had no, had no religious community in this area, in that five-mile radius. But in 2018, with the little bit of growth that we had, we still had 5,000 people that were involved in our church communities. It shrank a little bit, but 8,000 people had no faith community. Because what happened is, is as our community began to grow a little bit, those persons did not get involved in a faith community. They were not connected with a faith community, so they remained alone. And if they were lucky enough to have friends and family in the area, then they have some type of connection to community. But as we know, most people do not have that. So 
that's 2018, that's last year, that in a five-mile radius, over 8,000 people had no connection, but, but Houghton's growing. And th this road back here that we drove in on, 3227, is two miles long, and as of today, there's over 1,000 houses slated to be built. That's just in a two-mile radius, or two-mile stretch. 1,000 homes, so we're talking three or 4,000 people just right here on this road, and that's coming. I mean, they're building houses in our neighborhood like crazy. Well, if you drive around Houghton, you'll see they're putting houses in all over the place. It's really growing, and it's going to continue to grow. But, but here's the thing. In nine years, in 2028, the people who are involved in the faith community isn't going to change much. It's still almost 5,000 people will be involved in a faith community. But almost 16,000 people in nine years will have no faith community. That's the projection right now. If nothing changes, if people continue to do the same thing and we continue to, 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 to reach out to people the same way we're reaching out, the reality is, is, is people are not going to have a faith community. So let's put this a little bit more in perspective and, and look at all the years together. So in 2012, there were almost 6,000 people who had, or there was a little over 6,000 people that had no religious community. Okay? In, in 2018, in, in just, what, six years there... There were almost 1,500 people added to that number. There were almost 1,500. We're, we're, we're not just looking at numbers. We're talking about living, breathing human beings who live, who work, who play in a five-mile radius of Houghton. They go to our schools, they live in our neighborhoods, they, we go to the same grocery stores, we get gas at the same place, we do the same things. And yet, the church in, in a faith community, it declined by 200. But if you look here at 2028, the projection is that over 7,000, over 7,500 people in nine years will have added number to that no religious involvement. And the interfaith community is still going to drop another 700 people. So no one likes to talk, do math, and nobody likes to look at this type of data, because it can be a little boring. But what I hope it does is it helps reframe for us the world in which we live in this five-mile area of Houghton where we live, we work, and play, and help us begin to see the world as Jesus sees it and see people. And I hope that what we get from this is we get to see that the people around us, majority of them right now, do not have a community of people that is providing connections for them. Now, I want to go a step further, and I want to think about a Christian connection. I want to think about, about how we as a church can connect with people, because it's not just about giving a place of belonging, but it's about providing a place of hope, of forgiveness, of reconciliation, of joy, of peace, of salvation. So, so we're talking that in nine years, if nothing changes and things continue the same, if we keep the same strategies, the same tactics, and we keep our community the same way, that we're going to have a massively different community in nine years. A massively different community. A community that is greatly disconnected. Community that is greatly disconnected. So... While that sits there and you kind of look at that, I want to I wrap this a little bigger for you. Unwrap the package a little more.
because not all of us are from right here in Haunton. Some of us are from Bozier, some of us are from Keithville, some of us are from Minden and Ringgold. If we look 10 miles out, which gets us to the other side of Red Chute, gets us almost, uh, what gets us to the other side of, uh, well, almost, almost to Minden. If we go 10 miles, right now today, there's over 26,000 people who have no religious community in 10 miles. And many of us drove 10 miles to get here. In a 25-mile radius, which gets us into Shreveport, which gets us the other side of Minden, gets us up north to Spring Hill, in a 25-mile radius today, there's over 231,000 people who have no faith community. See, it's not just here in Haunton. It's our entire north Louisiana and if we begin to see the world as Jesus sees the world, we begin to see that the harvest is larger than we could possibly ever imagine. The harvest of people who have no connection with the kingdom of God and that Jesus is calling us and others to pray earnestly to be harvest workers, to go out and help those harvest, that harvest grow and mature and become the best that it can be, full of people ingrained in the kingdom, connected in a deep and passionate way with people and with Jesus. Our state today has 2.9 million people who have no religious community. That's a lot of people. And in nine years, as a state, it will be over 3.7 million people. That is a lot of people. So we need to be able to see the world around us here in Haughton and be able to see the people around us, but we also need to be, have a mind for the world that's bigger than us. And hopefully, as we frame ourselves around this world that's, that's larger than we could have ever imagined it to be, that, that we would take the words of Jesus and start there. He tells the disciples, it's larger than you could ever imagine. There's few workers, so plead with the Lord of the harvest to send out more workers. See the world in a different way. You're a harvest worker, but the first place is plead, earnestly pray that more people would come forth and help in that harvest. And he frames it in that, in that, that view of harvest. Of, of a field that, that needs to be, be worked and, and needs to be cared for so that the weeds don't overcome the harvest when it's growing and so now it doesn't produce. And so who are the people in the world around us that live, that work, who play and who die, who do not have a connection to the world around them in a better way and especially do not have a connection to God? Who are the people that the world around them instead is stifling their life? It's putting such a burden on them that they can't survive. And they have no one to turn to to even listen to their stories. Who are the people around us that are hurting with deep pain? And they've been carrying that with them for a long time. And what they need is just someone to be present with them. And who they need is us. Right now, in the state of Louisiana, 500 people a week, on the small side, leave the church for good. So that's not just people who aren't connecting to the church. 500 people a week leave the church for good. And in North Louisiana, where we live, that's 50 people a week. 
50 people a week leave the church for good. So we have people who have no connection with the church, and then we have people who are not being incorporated into the kingdom and living into their God-given calling because they're leaving the church. So the harvest truly is larger than we could ever imagine. So this isn't a documentary. This is the world around us. This is the real world around us. And so may we take to heart here what Jesus says to these 72 unnamed people who decided to follow Jesus. Jesus says, you I am sending out. I'm sending you ahead of me to be people who prepare the harvest for me. You're the people that are needed. You're the right ones to go into the towns and the villages, into the big cities and the backwoods places, into the middle of nowhere, and to go and see that place differently and see it with God-shaped eyes that sees people in the reality of who they are as valuable people in the kingdom that just need others to come alongside them and help them discover that, to help them discover their value, to help them discover that they belong to the kingdom and to the body of Christ, and to help them point their lives to Jesus. So plead that the Lord of the harvest would send out more workers. So may we plead, as Jesus asks us to plead, and focus our hearts and change our hearts for a passion of those around us. To have a passion in our hearts and our souls that drives us for this massive, unbelievably large harvest that's around us of people who need us. People who need you. There are over 8,000 people in a five-mile radius of this place where we sit and stand today that need you. And where you live, work, and play, as you've seen, there are people who need you. They need you to pray earnestly for them. Earnestly for those who could step up and become those who can work alongside you. So Jesus, bring forth those people. That should be our prayer. Jesus, bring forth those who can join me where I live, work, and play to have a heart and a passion for those who do not have a place of belonging and who do not know you. So who are those people as you pray that prayer that Jesus already puts in your mind? Who are the people right now that Jesus is putting onto your heart? I want you to think of, of just two people. And maybe you're thinking, I don't, I don't really know of somebody. Well, just keep thinking about it and pray that prayer. Lord, bring forth more harvest workers. Because Jesus is sending me and sending you into the world around us to make a significant difference. And the work that you do, the work that I do, the work that we do together can change the outcome of what nine years can look like. In nine years, there does not have to be 
15, almost 16,000 people in our five-mile radius who have no religious community. In nine years, we can make such a different difference in our community that instead those 15, 16,000 people are truly connected at a different level where they know their neighbors. They know who they can count on and rely on. They have people that they can call at 2 o'clock in the morning because life has just hit an, an ungodly amount of low and they just need someone right now. They need you. And your work will produce more people that they can count on. So if you don't live here in the Houghton area, that's okay. Who are two people that you know that can join you in the work of where you live, work, and play? Who are two people that maybe they are family members or friends? Maybe they're, they're people who go to work with you, they go to school with you, you go shopping, and maybe you run into them in the store constantly. Maybe you see them regularly at the gas station. Who are people in your normal walk of life that you connect with that maybe Jesus is putting onto your heart? Pray for Jesus to reveal those people to you. And if this is your first time with us today, you're probably thinking, Oh God, I think it's very important that you're here today. I think it's very important that you're here today. Because even in your presence today, I pray that you can see the world around you in a different way. And I pray that you would join us in seeing the world around us in a different way. Because this is about making an impact in real people's lives. Real people's lives. So that kids who are born or who come to our area don't have to be disconnected at school and in their home life, but so that kids can grow up in the Halton area or where you live, work, and play and know that they matter to somebody. Because some kids don't know that. I have two kids, and I love them dearly, and they are well-loved, and they have a hard time knowing that. These are people who are on the last stages of life that in a few years won't be with us, but they're alone. And they need people to journey with them in that season and speak hope and life and healing in that season of their life. These are parents who are struggling to, to make ends meet and, and individuals who are, who are lonely and by themselves. These are everyday normal people like you and like me. So I pray today that we see the world in a different way and that we see our neighborhoods and our neighbors in a different way. Not to place a label on them, but to see them as God sees them so that we can have a heart and passion for them. Not so that we can put more people in the seats of a church but so that we can have deeper connections with those around us because Jesus calls us to do that, because these people need us. And through your connections with people and through my connections with people, with our connections together, the way we live life with Jesus helps them point their lives to Jesus. And the more that we do that, the more we are the body of Christ. 
and we expect that body to grow. But this is about a focus on people because every individual matters. So if you would, receive this prayer. Jesus, help us to see the world around us in such a different way. That we see the people who live, who work, who play around us. And that they're visible to us. And that we would see that there are so many people around us who need us to be present with them. They need us. And you send us first. Like you sent these 72 people out before you arrived, you send us to be those people first in these people's lives, that we would be the first connection of hope, of love, of community for people. That before you are, are show up in a, in a way that they can experience, you send us to be that experience so that you can be revealed. Jesus, show us at least two people that we know that need us. Put their names on our hearts and give us that new passion for your kingdom and for your world. Write their names on our hearts and our minds so that we just can't stop thinking about them. And maybe the names that are coming to our mind give us great anxiety because we're thinking, not those people. But you're saying, yes, those people, see them a little differently. See them as I see them. Give us at least two people that we can earnestly be praying for and that we can invest in. And so Jesus, open our hearts even just a little bit to those around us. And may we be a blessing in their life. And may we find out that we've been who they've needed this whole time so that you can be revealed. Holy Spirit, empower us to go forth. Send us out. And may we continue to pray for more to join us so that we can change the trajectory of so many lives. Of so many lives so that your kingdom can be realized. Jesus, in your name we pray. Amen. Everybody, thank you for listening to this episode of EmbraceCast. On the next episode, we'll be sharing a conversation that continues to explore this theme of lost. Be sure to give us a five-star rating, subscribe to EmbraceCast, and share it with others. We hope this has been a helpful episode for you. If this conversation has piqued your curiosity, or if you have some questions, we'd love to hear them and connect with you. Please send them to us. You can record an audio file and send them to us at info at embraceyourparish.org. Please keep your audio file to about 20 or 30 seconds, and be sure to include your name and where you're from. Embrace is a new church in the greater Houghton area of Louisiana. Embrace is committed to creating new places for new people to experience Jesus. 
You can find out more at embraceyourparish.org. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. Now go and embrace Jesus, embrace people, and embrace church.